Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your host for the House of Hardcore podcast, Tommy Dreamer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House of Hardcore podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dreamer, and we got part two of the We Talk A Lot edition between ourselves of Marty Bell, welcome back to the show. How are you, dear? I'm good. How are you? I like your hair today. It looks so. Uh, Thanks. I like yours. I feel like, uh, did we like plan this? What? I don't know what's going on with my hair, but your hair is like styled. Mine is, I'm holding on to every strand. I just washed it. It's still wet, but yes. Thank you. I wish I had that. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Don't talk about my hair. Thank God we're on. Oh no, people do view this too. Damn. I can't see you. Correct. But we'll just, we'll, we'll just skip this. We'll just, we'll just skip. skip. Yeah. The heavy set dreamer who's got a ponytail and a mullet at 51. All right. We left off your early trainings, yes. uh, your humble beginnings in Brooklyn, New York yes. with uh, Johnny Rods. Mm-hmm. So now you're doing indies and yeah. your first break is. I would say it was probably WSU. I think um, that's when Tina San Antonio and I became the Bell Saints. Basically, Tina and I trained together and we had been wrestling each other for so long. And you know how that goes when you're, you know, we're the only girls. So we're wrestling each other month after month after month. And then finally, someone's like, hey, WSU is looking for tag teams. You know, would you guys be interested? And we're like, oh, of course, we're, we're a tag team. We 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 have moves like we, we're, we're cool. Um, Flex, I'm pretty sure, is the one who named us. He named us the Bell Saints. And then um, we started working for, for WSU. And I think it's so funny because I have the poster on the wall. And the first show that I was ever on was a third anniversary show. And um, let me see who's on it. Angelina was on it. Um, Molly Holly was getting inducted into the WSU Hall of Fame. So like, you know, Mock Kong was on. Like, it was just, it was a really big show. So for us, it was like, you know, it was a really awesome experience. And I don't think that they that Mick who was running at the time, I don't know that he really expected us or the fans to connect with us as much as they did, because that was in March. And by November we were holding the tag titles, which then I also got to hold the jazz. Me and jazz are one time WC tag team champions. Uh, so that was, I would say was probably the first time. That's where I also met Allison. So that's where mine and Allison's relationship, our friendship, began uh so I, I would say that's probably like the first place that people started like kind of knowing more of who i was and wsu was an all women's promotion correct it was an all women's promotion women's superstars and censored it was mostly out of new jersey um we were mo- when we first began it was out of the ace arena in jersey and then it kind of started traveling a little bit more and then eventually ended up nice um so now 
your first break for television would be TNA. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember like getting a text message from Christy Hemi. And when I got the text, I was like, someone's messing with me. Like uh, this, this cannot be like, I didn't know her. I'd never met her. I'm like, there's no way that I'm getting a text message from Christy. So I started, you know, deep diving on the internet, uh, started asking friends like, Hey, like, where's she from? Like, do you like, you know, trying to like piece back together. And it ended up, uh, basically she wanted me to send her some matches. And I was like, this is a huge rib and I send matches. I'm going to send pictures and someone's going to put it online and be like, look at this idiot. But I was like, what do I have to lose? You know? Um, I think at this point I'd been like five years in. So I was like, all right, like what's the worst that can happen? And so then I ended up getting a tryout at OW. It was me, Santana Garrett and Candice LeRae. And Christy just said that she had this idea about this badass girl group, but we had no information on it. Like that was all we knew. And then um, they ended up telling me I needed a little bit more experience. They wanted me to like keep training. Gil Kim was the, the best because she gave me her contact and she was like, I like you keep in touch with me, send me matches, get in better shape, like keep sending me stuff as much as possible, be TV ready. So I was like, all right, put my head down, kept working. And then um, I had another tryout and then same thing. They were like, you're almost there, almost there. And then I did uh, the knockouts knockdown in, in May. And I had a, I was so excited. I got paired up with ODB, which was like one of my dream matches from Impact. So I was super excited. I actually had a storyline for, for that, you know, that pay-per-view, which was like incredible. I got a chance to talk, got a chance to show character, show personality. So then the next one comes around and I message Christy, like, you know, I'd love to do it again. And she was like, we know we want you. We're just waiting for the right opportunity. And how many times have people told you like, oh, no, 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 like just, just sit and wait. Like we'll, we'll get you something like your, your, you know, your number's coming up. And so I was really discouraged and I was like, well, like, of course they want me. And literally like four days later, I get another message from Christy. Are you available these dates? And I'm like, yeah, like, of course I'm available. If you need me, I'm available. And she's like, cool. I want to offer you a contract. So I got my first ever contract through text message. Which is, so it's very uh, 26, uh, tw- that was 24, I think. Very like millennial of me to have gotten my first ever contract through text message. Um, so that was definitely, I think, uh, that was my first, not, I think that was my first like television opportunity was, um, with impact. Uh, it's also, I don't want to say they've see, they saw you work, but they had enough confidence in you to be in this gimmick that they offered you a contract, which is pretty cool because you don't know if the gimmick's going to work and all that stuff. And, um, from like what I, from what I've been told, the gimmick was like the group itself was being changed up until the night we debuted. Like there were still so many moving pieces. They didn't know who was going to be the leader. They didn't know what to do. Um, they knew that me and Mia, they wanted us together. So what ended up being Mia and I were two of the girls. And then I was told that from the night before, they were still going back and forth, trying to figure out who it was. Taryn had never wrestled a match in her entire career as a heel. She'd been wrestling for eight years. And she was, you know, look at her. She screams baby face. She's this gorgeous girl, super energetic. And then they gave her that ball and she didn't just run with it. She fucking like flew with it and became this incredible character. And I'm so happy that I get to work with her at Impact at Impact. (laughs) I get to work with her at NWA again because she was incredible. She really like stepped into this character and made it her own. And then 
we were able to, to play off her so much. Like my first appearance on impact was Mia's match. And then we put Kong through a table. So like, that's how I made my debut was putting awesome Kong through a fucking table. Like, yeah. actually I have a funny story about that that you do probably now? don't remember. What did I do now? Um, I don't, I don't, I think it was, I don't remember if it was for that spot or another spot. They wanted to, to like try something out, like maybe like the positioning of something and you volunteered for mm-hmm. no freaking reason to go through a table. Literally. Yeah. It was like that. Nobody, nobody, Tommy Dreamer just bumping through a table. So I totally forgot about that, but yes, you did. You did. I remember it now. When in doubt, put me through a table. I'll show you how it works. And so it did. So thank it you. doesn't hurt that much. I'm good. You know what's funny? I've never been put through a table. So many. I've put, I've put plenty of people through tables, but never gone through one yet. You're putting these things out to the universe. It's going to have to happen. I know. Adding, adding it to the bucket list. Adding it to the bucket list. The, uh, we all talk about it today because it's so, so prevalent where with John Moxley and Wild Thing and um, Jungle Boy with his music. The big thing with that too was your entrance. Oh, yeah. I loved your entrance and Billy Corgan made that happen. Yes. And I remember when that happened. Cause he was like, yeah, I just made a phone call and got the, like instant. He was like, yeah, I just called Courtney. Like, yeah. and we're like, Oh, okay. Like, because I, I remember like our, the first few times that we had our entrance, it was just, it was very like, it was some music that was, you know, made for us at impact. It was some like dubstep thing. It was called like, killer heels or something like that and then obviously doll parts fits very well and this is when billy was like you know being introduced as a writer and then all of a sudden he like took a very big interest in us took a very big interest in in, in all of us as a whole you know as, as a as a group and then all of a sudden we're coming out to freaking hole with like a whole set being built for us yeah. and like these lights and all of that and that was also very very surreal and that's also where my relationship with Billy began, which, you know, this is why they say you don't burn bridges like you, because everything came full circles. We're talking five years later, I'm working for him again. So it's, it's always, that's one thing that I'm, I've always tried very much. So is even when I leave one place, like trying to stay, you know, keep a good relationship with people because you're going to work with them again at some point, everything comes full circle in this business. You're always going to be working, you know, with, with, with people in different places and why, like why ruin a relationship, you know? Um, I also remember kind of something that didn't happen a lot in TNA um, was like almost like choreographing your entrances, Mm -hmm. which it's a big thing. It's a big thing. It's massive in WWE. um, And it makes you look like a bigger star when you have a, you're walking to the beat, you're hitting your, your mark at, at a certain time. So, uh, I enjoyed that because also I got to hear the song all the time. A lot of us would reenact your stuff as we would do it. I think I I probably also did it. (laughs) I would love to see it. So I forgot who it was. Somebody once told me that our entrance was a curtain sellout, like just to watch, just to watch us. The funny thing about that is, um, you know, Taryn, when it was, when it was Taryn, Mia and I, Taryn, usually we kind of played off her, but she was more like in the middle, a little bit more stoic. It was me and Mia that did a little bit more of the dancing and Mia is a horrible dancer, horrible. 
So one time it was her, uh, myself and Rebel when that incarnation of the dollhouse was going on. And Rebel, you know, Rebel's a dancer. Rebel's a professional dancer, a former Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. She choreographed this whole thing. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yup, yup. Poor Mia. We literally did the entrance one time. And we're talking about like, four, like eight counts. We're not even talking about like a whole song. Mia just could not. So like, well, she told you the other day, she was like, oh, I mean, she was always offbeat or yeah. it was a struggle. I think she probably stressed out more about our entrances than she did about the matches. So it's the best. And you told me you're the, out of every incarnation of the dollhouse, you're, yeah. you've been in every incarnation. Cause it was Mia and I, and then Mia, myself and Taryn. And then um, when Taryn had to step away from wrestling because of her head injury, um, it became rebel Mia and I, and then Kong got added to the mix and I was still there. And then when me, when, Mia broke off and, you know, had her singles run as, uh, as the knockouts champion, it was rebel. And I, so every single incarnation, I was the only like day one. And I believe from, and Christy could correct me if I'm wrong. When she had her idea about the dollhouse, I was the character that she also saw. So it's interesting that from like, we're talking about almost an entire year for it to happen. I was there until the very very end until the dollhouse was no more i um well it it looked always so great and like that again goes to the choreography and everything it's just different yeah. women all with the same goal this is also before the whole um women's revolution and wwe and it was very it was empowering which supposed to be and that was what christy told us from the jump like we were strong women on our own we were never going to be tied to a guy that we managed that we validated not that there's anything wrong with it you know obviously like decay also had a lot of success starting then and rosemary really really like i feel like helped elevate decay but for us she was very specific about you guys are three badass women and it's just about you guys there's no guy involved there's no guy attached to it it is just you guys and that was very very important to her for us to be like just three badasses from the jump. Whether you're driving an old classic or a real piece of junk, the car market is hot. And that's why I want to tell you about rockauto.com, the one-stop shop for all auto parts you need to keep your car on the road and in pristine condition. rockauto.com has been in business for over 20 years. They have every part you need in stock at amazing prices. No reason to run around to different stores, websites, or auto shops. Rock Auto has what you need in stock. And guess what? RockAuto.com prices are always reliably low. That means they do not change prices based on what's going on in the market. This isn't like an airplane ticket, a hotel, or beef at your grocery store. You won't need to constantly check to see if what you need is available and if now is the best time to buy. Rock Auto keeps it simple and has everything in stock at reliably low prices. So go to RockAuto.com. They make it easy to maintain your car and save money. It feels good knowing your car is in top condition. Once more, rockauto.com for great prices on auto parts and tell them that we sent you right here on the House Hardcore Podcast. There's a box when you check out to put in the name of my show. The prices are too good for promo codes. Let's get back to the show. Do you have a favorite moment in uh, TNA? Yeah. Um... Besides hanging out with me once a month? Besides hanging out with you once a month, I have two. Um, the first ever female lethal lockdown match um, I was involved in, we were in the UK. Um, I believe we were at Wembley. 
which is like already like such a big show. Um, and so Mia, Rebel, and I ended up being the last three standing. The last, you know, so there's literally a picture of us in the cage, the three of us standing with our arms in the air. Um, super awesome. We get to the back, and it's you know, this is a big deal. This is the first time in the history of Impact Wrestling that this match has ever been done uh, with the women being in it. And we get to the back, and um, Dixie's back there, uh, John's back there. There's a bunch of people waiting for us at the curtain. And we come through and just the reception from, obviously the crowd was incredible. Like, you know how insane the UK is when it comes to Impact Wrestling. But coming to the back and getting that reception from the locker room, it means a lot. You know, it's, it's, it, it means a lot, especially to know that them people were watching and rooting for us to like do well. So that was definitely such a big moment for us. And I know that we teared up because we're like, holy shit, like we just made history. We just won the first ever and we get to do it in the UK. And then the la- the other one is actually the last match I've ever had uh, that I ever had at Impact. And it was Allison Kay, Mia Yim, and myself. And Pat Kenny, Kay Simon Diamond, was our agent. And I had the very bright idea of all of us hitting the Simon Diamond pose at some point, some point in the match. And we just had... So we were told that he was watching our match and literally took his headset off through it and walked away from the table because he was like, what did I do? Cause like, literally we did it. We even got, I think Stifler was our, our ref. We even got him to hit it. So all four of us are standing there hitting the freaking Simon Diamond pose. And that, and that match in general was just, I was out there with my best friends, like having a great time and, you know, Little did I know that'd be my last match ever at Impact, but man, like what a way to go out. Cause that was, it, it was awesome. And if, if it, it might be on YouTube, if it is, I, I urge people to go take a look at it. Cause it was, we had a lot of fun and, and it was, it was just, it was awesome. Maybe Simon Diamond's the one who got you fired for hitting your pose. <laughs> Welcome to the business. Kid. I actually asked my release. Thank you very much, but I never got brought back. I never got brought back. So maybe I'm going to have to have a conversation with him. I'm going to tell him you said that. I'm going to see him in a few weeks. I'm going to ask him. No worries. Um, So now you're back out there on the indies. You have some more name value. You're doing your thing. NWA kind of comes up and hits for you. Yeah. So obviously there were a few years in between um, me ending back up at NWA. Uh, One thing that I did in between that was go to, I moved to Kansas City and I started working for a company called NWL and I was a backstage correspondent. And then from backstage correspondent, I kind of became a little bit of everything. I was ring announcing. um, I was hosting the TV show. I was wrestling on some of the shows. Like it became this like this place where I really, really, really got to work really hard and really started to develop like different parts of my craft and started learning that I like different things. It's not just about wrestling because I have to think about what's next after I'm done in the ring. Do I want to produce? Which I really like working at NWL told me like, holy shit, I would love to produce wrestling at some point. I would love to do, I would love to do backstage. I got to do backstage correspondent work for, for MMA, which I never thought that was an idea. You know, that's something that came into my mind. And there are so many things that I'm like, okay, there are other things I can do when my in-ring career is over. Um, And that's where I met Chris Goff, your friend, big country. Um, And so he really helped me develop all those skills a lot because I had no idea I could do any of those things. And he's like, no, you can, here we go. And I was kind of thrown into the fire. Like, Hey, we have, you know, we have a TV show to produce. So get to it. 
Um, and then I also was able to do the first ever May Young Classic representing the Dominican Republic, which was also incredible, incredible opportunity for me. Uh, and then went back to NWL, company closes out of nowhere. Uh, I end up just, going- uh, Just back check for one second, sorry. That whole, you're making a full-time living working for this company. Uh, that's what a lot of people don't know that. They had wrestlers under contract and, you know, the guy we're talking about, Chris, he's a former WWE writer. Um, he got a great opportunity running television in, in the Kansas City area. I had come down and worked for him a bunch of times. Um, super duper great guy. But like, that's the best part. Like, you're also earning a living in professional wrestling doing something. And yes, you're doing, you're learning other things, but you're working in the office. You're, you're yeah. doing a lot for the yeah. company. And, and that was also, I think, why it hurt so much when it closed because it closed out of nowhere. Basically, there were a lot of decisions that were made very early on in the in the beginning of the company um, by the higher ups that didn't benefit the company in the end. Um, you know, it was somebody who was new to pro wrestling. Obviously, Chris was you know trying to help as much as possible. Chris has a lot of experience. Chris literally started working for WWE at 19, so he had like 20 plus years of experience in wrestling. This guy didn't. The owner didn't. So we tried to advise him as much as possible, but then it just became, you know, it became too much for him. And so he ended up closing the company. But we're talking about for the first time in my life, I was earning a living just doing wrestling with health insurance, dental insurance, vision insurance, a place to train, like just things that I never thought were possible with wrestling. And then literally from one day to the next, to circle back to our last episode, I was actually on my way home from the premiere of Veneno, the movie that I talked to you about, the Jack Veneno movie. I was on my way home from the premiere of that movie. And I literally got a text message from one of the guys because I wasn't in the office when 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 it was shut down. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, what now? So this was April. In May, I get a text message from um, Telemundo from one of the casting directors at Telemundo. I'm like, hey, we want you to audition for this TV show. So I ended up, taking a few months to go film a reality show, reality competition, very similar to like Survivor uh, in the Dominican Republic, which was completely life-changing, but it also showed me like how much I loved wrestling because it was the first time in my adult life that I was completely removed from wrestling. I didn't have a phone. I didn't have internet. I didn't have access to the outside world. So there was nothing wrestling related coming in. The only thing that I was able to sneak like information about one of our producers was a big wrestling fan. So when the second classic happened, like before I went, I knew that Allison was like maybe going to do it if she got medically cleared for it. And so he's like, you know, obviously he can't tell me what's going on in the outside world. That's like a breach of his contract. But he did whisper to me like, your friend was in the classic. She didn't win, but she was in it. And I was like, okay, that's all I need to know. Like, I'm good. So I got to like, even completely removed from wrestling. I still got a little bit of wrestling in. Um, And then, yeah, and then- I came back home. I got more involved in with acting. I kind of like dove head in uh, head first into my acting career again, while still, you know, trying to keep up with wrestling as much as possible. And then flash forward to maybe like two years ago, I guess. I don't even know. 2019. um, Allison K requested me as um, we were doing NWA was doing something with ring of honor where they were like filming matches at a ring of honor event in in Chicago and they asked Allison like who would you like to face and she was like oh Marty and so I got to wrestle her 
I got to cut promos in front of Billy, who obviously knew me from before, but we're talking now, it's been a few years. And so this is before power was a thing. But then I did that. And then a few weeks later, I got a message like, hey, we want you, we want to invite you to the first taping of NWA Power. And so it kind of just went from there. We were having a great time. January uh, 2020 came around. We filmed like me and Allison uh, were feuding at that time. We had a big blow off match. We're going into Crockett Cup. We're super excited about, you know, April 2020. The pandemic hit. And then a pandemic happened. So pandemic hits, we are stuck at home. We have absolutely, uh, you know, no idea when shows are starting up again. We have no idea. Uh, I, I'm sure like a lot of people, I started even questioning, like, what is wrestling going to look like in a few months? Am I even going to, ha- is there even going to be a place for me in wrestling anymore? Like, you know, is the world going to shut down for two years? And then all of a sudden people are like, who are you? Like, what do you, who, what do you mean when I get on a show? So Allison and I were talking every single day. We're FaceTiming every single day, every single day. And we're like, fuck, man, we really wanted to be a team. Like we had kind of been throwing that idea around. Um, Cause like, you know, what better thing to do than get to travel the world with your best friend and get paid for it and do what you love. Like, hold on. How, how does that work? So in August, uh, I ended up flying to her house and actually I'm wearing the shirt. We ended up doing a photo shoot at her house. Um, we styled it. We did everything ourselves and we started putting it on social media and just being like, if we were a tag team, what would you call us? And we literally just started brainstorming, like just kind of putting it in people's heads, like, Hey, maybe we're a tag team. And then the first show that we ever did was, um, October, 2020, the collective ran and shimmer. Uh, we had been working for Prazak for the last eight years. And Prazak was like, Hey, uh, do you guys want it like a title shot? We're like, oh yeah, of course we're a tag team. Like we've been a tag team forever. We're, we'll, we'll take this title shot. And we had great chemistry. And then Shine gave us another shot like at, at their tag titles. So now we're talking, this is our second, our second match ever, another title opportunity. And then we had a third one at Shine and we ended up winning those tag titles. And then NWA calls us and they want us to come back. Both her and I had left during the pandemic because we had no idea when shows were going to be running again. So we left NWA. We left on very good terms. You know, Billy literally told me the door is always open for you whenever you want to come back. So Empower rolls around. Empower was August 28, 2021. And we're told that the titles are being brought back and Billy has specifically hand-selected Allison and I for the titles because he wanted us to legitimize them. He knew how hard we were going to work to make sure that those titles meant something again. And so... It was our fourth and fifth match ever as a tag team that we won the NWA tag team titles. But I think a lot of people, because we're always together and because we work so well together, people assume that we've been tagging for years. We have literally been tagging for less than two years, um, like today, you know, as of now. Um, but we we held titles for 288 days, but who's counting? Um, somebody actually told us that. So we, we make sure to include that in every single program. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we had so much fun with them. We made them world titles. We took them to the UK. Uh, we won the pro wrestling Eve, uh, championships. We were holding both titles at the same time. Um, we got to defend them in the UK. We were going to defend them in Portugal and travel issues didn't allow us to get to Portugal, but that is definitely still on our bucket list of, of getting back out there. And, um, we have pay-per-view coming up. Uh, NWA 74 is coming up on the 28th and um, 
we don't know what's, you know, what's next for us. We know we're going to be in action that weekend. And of course, like we want to rematch. We, we want to get those titles back um, because we, we, we still have so many other cool places to take them to. Uh, uh, I don't know if you can, you probably won't be able to see, but I have pictures of me and Allison in Paris and me and Allison in front of the Apple Tower and in front of Big Ben um, with the title. So there are so many more monuments that we still need to hit with the title. So that is, um, that is the plan. An interesting bucket list. Yeah. Um, just backtrack just a little bit. Uh, when you also talk about, and this is for other people who are listening to this, that are in this business, you talk about burning bridges, all that stuff, or, or people go to social media a lot and try to like, you know, they tell their side of the story, which there's always two sides of the story. Like after, NWL goes away you still wind up working with Chris I do he has a vineyard he doesn't have a vineyard he has a winery he doesn't actually grow his own grapes but he does have a winery um he does make all of his own um wines but he doesn't have a winery he doesn't have a vineyard um super quick uh quick fun fact it takes many years it takes at least like five to six years to grow enough grapes to be able to produce wine and he's only been open for two years now so Still, still very new. It's called Peculiar Winery in Peculiar, Missouri. Uh, it's very close to like Kansas City. It's like 20 minutes from Kansas City. And uh, during the pandemic, you know, he and I had kept uh, a good relationship. Like he was, he was a really good friend. Um, and, you know, when we lost our jobs, we all lost our jobs. Like yeah. he was not excluded from that. He also lost his job. Um, so that's what made him decide like, all right, screw it. I'm going to start this winery now. Like he's been learning how to make wine for the last few years, but all just, I think he just needed that little push to make him go fine. Let's do this. So he went all in him and his family, his wife and his um, mom and dad opened this winery together. And during the pandemic, I was, I was scared because I'm like, you know, I, I pay my bills with wrestling. If I'm not wrestling, how am I going to pay my bills? And so I kind of hit him up and I was like, Hey friend, like, Remember when you were going to offer me a job? Ha ha. And he was kind of like, yeah, I mean, if you want to like, sure. And I know like a lot of people say like, you know, you don't mix like your friends and business, but I'm a very, very hard worker. And I think especially because it's a friend of mine, I'm going to work extra hard because I want my friend's place of business to be successful. And so I worked there up until I moved back um, until I moved away from Kansas city now I'm in the Cincy area and um, he was always really good and really understanding with my wrestling schedule. I didn't need to work, but I enjoyed working at the winery so much that, you know, if I was home, I was probably, I was probably at the winery and I had, you know, I have him to thank for, you know, not letting me go homeless. Cause honestly, I, I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't had um, the winery to, to get me through the pandemic. Yeah. And that, that's what I was saying, like for, for wrestlers, like that's how majority people make their living. Even I was scared. And I was like, I'm starting to have to tap a little bit into my savings, which I'm not supposed to be doing yet. And just for like extra things, cause Hey, during the pandemic, guess what goes your washer dryer of um, course. and like, Oh, great. And you can't get one delivered because we're in a pandemic and I live in New York and they're not going to come to your house. I had to buy a new car during the pandemic. So like just things like that, where I'm like, cool. Where I literally, I think I ended up buying my car like in June or July of 2020 because I just, I need a new car. And you know, when, when you, when your car is your, your most important mode of transportation, you cannot afford for it to completely go out. And so 
Of course, it's it's when you when you're like, I'm just gonna scroll away this money. Nah, you're not. We're life's gonna throw a bunch of things at you that you're gonna have to start dipping into your savings. And then I'm like, you know, God forbid, what if I get sick and I can't do it? It was just, it was a lot. So I definitely have a lot to thank um Chris for him and his family. They're they're incredible. Yes. Um I did laundry at a laundromat for three months because I couldn't get a washing machine and I would wash my clothes. My dryer still worked and then take my wet clothes in a car and take them home. And it was disgusting and it was so heavy, but, uh, and I was like, I was a junkie for quarters because it would only take quarters. And like, here I am at the local uh, and things are still not open. It was because I lived in the town where it was the first case of COVID in New York and it was completely shut down. And, uh, but yeah, man, those things happen and, and it's, it sucks and it's scary, but just, I'm glad you were able to survive and, you know, things happen. And I always say this, things happen for a reason and it's in a journey, but it was also something that we all went through together, but we go through it together differently. And people say, well, oh, she's a celebrity or she's on television and it, it doesn't affect you how it affects me. And it's, it's so not true. Because, hey, think of the things that you're doing. And I was literally sitting there saying, okay, same thoughts. What do I do now? Because I will always work. I have enough. I I don't wrestle because I have to. I wrestle because I love it. But what I will always work. And then it's like, what can I do to work? How am I going to make extra money? You know, because, yeah, you got to pay your bills, you know this uh electricity forget i don't even tell you my con ed bill but um they screwed me that's a whole other whole other argument but anyway but i'm glad that you strived uh during this and you also like you said you came up with your thought because you're creative of how whatever this turns around Mm -hmm. what how are you going to make yourself marketable and then now too it's also like with people who you know, monetizing your social medias and your Instagram. And I had no clue about how much money's out there to be made, like with reels and all that stuff on on Instagram. Even just Patreon. Um, I, I say I launched my Patreon in January, 2020. Actually, I think it was February, I think February, 2020. And so I'm super excited about, you know, bringing you behind the scenes and, you know, at photo shoots and here I am on the road. And then all of a sudden it's me in my living room, you know, with bands doing a workout And so I do also think that that helped one, it was bringing in a little bit of money, but also it helped to keep me sane because now I'm like, well, I have to create something, you know, if someone's paying their hard earned money, I'm going to create something. So maybe get it more creative with like, well, I guess my living room is now my studio and I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing zooms with like my patrons and let's have a dance party. Let's do this. Like it really made a step out of our comfort zones and made us more creative than we were already because we didn't have a choice. And then one thing too, for Allison and I, we said like, when things go back to normal or whatever our new reality is, we want to make sure that we are enjoying every single booking, that we are having fun, that we are out there doing what we want to do. Because once again, life has a great way of slapping you in the face and showing you like what you think you have or what you think like is your safety net is not going to be there. So like enjoy every single booking, every single match, go out there, have a good time. And, you know, even if we're not having a good time, at least we're together. 99% of our bookings now are together. I'm going to see her in two days. 
And after that, we're together again. And then we're together again for NWA. So like, we really have even, you know, living so far apart, we talk every single day and we get to see each other so much that it doesn't really feel like we went a month without seeing each other. And that was the longest that we have gone in like two years without seeing each other. And we're like, what the fuck? So definitely like, you know, we're, we're very happy to get to, to be traveling together and doing things together again. Absolutely. And this business and your schedule uh, fits perfectly. And I like that mentality that you said, like uh, this past weekend, I was in Thomaston, Georgia, and then I was in Buffalo and travel was like horrible. And the Atlanta airport was insane, but I just take it all worth like in stride in the sense of, and I'm, I got paid more money than a lot of people make in two weeks. I got to still do something that I love at 51 years old. I got to tag with Scott Steiner, who I was, and then I ribbed Scott Steiner and I hit a Steiner line. I hit my bicep, dropped the elbow and did three push-ups where he was just screaming at me. But like, those are moments that like kid me or teenager me then would be like, there's no way this is going to happen. And then to go full, um, it was Thomaston, Georgia, and then Buffalo. And I go to my hotel in Buffalo and I have a flashback and I'm like, holy crap. I've been here before and I've been to Buffalo a million times. And I was like, no, 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 I've done this before. And then I realized the last time I was in Thomaston, Georgia was for Dusty Rhodes in, it was 21 years ago. And then I wrestled on that Sunday in Buffalo, stayed at that same hotel. And then the next day they flew me back to Atlanta because I debuted for WWE. And I was like, this is 21 years of my life that I literally just did the same thing. And if WWE calls me tomorrow, I'm going to be like, holy crap. But like, it was. Did they call? No. Okay, cool. (laughs) Just checking. It was 21 years ago. And right away I got flushed with memories. And like, I took a picture of the the bar door and I sent it to Nova because that's where he met his wife. I sent it to Danny Doran because all the boys were partying that night. And I was like, man, I didn't even start the WWE. And that back then I was so sad and depressed because ECW was over. And then like on a Thursday, WWE calls me and same, like you said, I don't even know if this thing's going to happen. And I'm like, okay, cool. I don't have any travel. I go work for Dusty on Saturday. I work for, uh, I re- it was actually my own show on Sunday. And then Sunday when I land, I get a call from Dardari. Hey, you're going to fly from Buffalo to, you know, Atlanta. Blah, blah. And I was just like, wow. Like, and again, not burning bridges. That's also goes to who trained us mm-hmm. because he would always talk that. And, uh, that's, I, and again, I said this to you when I just recently saw you and I was so happy to see you. We have, I've always enjoyed you, but we always have a connection because of our trainer. And I always like, I have to look out for her because I know who trained her, but we always like, we're also from New York. So we, we, we get each other, we get each other's humor, which a lot of people don't. And uh, it's just, it's cool. Wrestling and our lives are cool because, and another thing you said, and it, a stupid pandemic when you were like, Man, it's a bucket list to get a pile driver from Tommy Dreamer in the ECW arena. And you said you wanted that. And I was like, really? And you told me a story. And I was like, I'm going to make that happen. And then pandemic time hits, all that stuff. But I was just like, do you know how many times it's been in the back of my head? And as much as I want to bring back, as much as I don't want to bring back House of Hardcore, those are little things in my head that be like, I have to do things like that because... I don't know. Like, I want to see everybody make it. I want to see everybody shine. Oh, somebody's home. Hang on. 
I like that he has like a special doorbell. Yeah, I have three dogs that go crazy when somebody comes home. Anyway, we'll edit that part out. But I just want to see everybody make it. When you told me that, I'm telling you, like, there's so many times, like, I have to pile drive Marty at the ECW arena because it's going to be part of her bucket list. Like, I'm crazy about, like, stuff like that. So if I bring it back, it's going to be because of you. I got to tell you, just uh, don't even give me that face. I don't want to see it. Um, all right. Well, I want to thank you. And I know you got the chase coming up and I'll tell you two things. I've never wrestled in France and I've never wrestled at the chase. So that's uh two biggies. So I may have to, uh, you got me beat is what I'm saying. I didn't get to wrestle in France. I got to visit France. I didn't get to wrestle in France, but the chase, I, I did win, you know, world title at the chase, but you know, what else? And we're going to be winning them back again. So I'm going to win. I'm going to, you know, two times. It, there, there really is something about the chase. It was a very magical weekend. It really was. Um, Walls can talk. And yeah, that that place has has memories for. It can write a book. It can write a freaking trilogy with what what those walls have seen. And um, we have NWA seventy four. Uh, we have two nights of NWA seventy four in St. Louis. Uh, NWATix.com. Uh, if you want to grab some, if you're not going to be able to make it live, I would definitely check it out on Fight TV. Um, we're very excited. We don't know yet, um, what we are doing. We know that we will be there. And then from there we go to Nashville. So, which is funny cause it's where impact tapes. Um, and so, you know, never say never, Tommy, you know, who, who knows when we'll, if we'll, where, where, where we will end up in the next, uh, the next few years, uh, Allison and I are very open to, uh, to, to keep traveling together and keep, you know, working anywhere we can. So I like it. I like it a lot. How do people find you on your socials? I am most active on Instagram. It is Marty, M-A-R-T-I dot B-E-L-L-E um, because I had to change my name when I was at Impact and I couldn't get it back. Uh, and then uh, my Patreon is patreon.com slash Marty Bell. Uh, no period, just M-A-R-T-I-B-E-L-L-E. I try to post several times a week on there. Uh, photo shoots, vlogs, uh, blogs i do blog a lot as well um just a lot of like uh fun stuff from the road i'm sure allison and i will have some some stuff to share from this weekend um this weekend's shenanigans and um i'm on twitter marty bell marty bell also which i don't use that much but instagram is definitely the place to find me come see me stand on something follow her on the gram and uh i want to thank you uh as always i i love seeing you and uh i expect great things greater things from you And uh, thank you for uh, doing this part two. I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, hopefully next time I get to talk to you wearing some, uh, is it 10 pounds of gold or is it 20 pounds? How much those tires were? Those are, they're heavy. They are heavy. They are very, very heavy titles. They're definitely at least five pounds each for sure. For sure. But hopefully um, we, we, we didn't give them a nickname. We didn't, we couldn't come up with anything witty enough. So if you guys can come up with something fun, please let me know. We will definitely um, name them that next time we hold them sweet well thank you again for being on this week's episode of house of podcast 